Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. Welcome to episode 22 of Process to Profitability. Today, I'm talking with Becky Mollenkamp all about transitioning from corporate clients to one-on-one work, and we get into a lot of great topics. Becky discusses why she made the transition from working with corporate clients to creative entrepreneurs. We talk about how the expectations on her business have changed based on the types of clients she is working with how she balances automation and personal interaction with her clients, as well as why she thinks being authentic online and on social media is so important. We talk a little bit about how you can beta test your ideas before you launch your services and get into some really fun discussions on customer service and why that's so important. Becky Mollenkamp is a business mentor for creative entrepreneurs In her 10-week Own It, Crush It program, she helps entrepreneurs get out of their own heads to find clarity and create action plans for moving their businesses forward. Learn more about Becky and her program at beckyballandcamp.com. Just a note, at one point my dog decides to bark in the background of our interview, but I left it in because I feel like what Becky is saying is so important for us all to hear. Hi, Becky. Thanks for joining me. Hi. It's great to be here. Great to have you. Um, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Sure. Um, well, I'm Becky Mollenkamp, and I'm from St. Louis, Missouri, and I've lived here the bulk of my life, although I've moved to California and Iowa at different times, but I'm back now. Um, and what I do is a couple of things. So I do content marketing, um, but I also am a business mentor for women entrepreneurs, particularly creatives. I like to say I work with people who tend to get stuck in their own heads and struggle with trying to move forward. So I help them with finding confidence and clarity so they can crush their goals. Okay. So how did you get started in working with creative entrepreneurs? Well, it's been newer for me in the last year or so. I started um, actually pro bono, so which is not something I always recommend. But really, I just had this calling after having my baby a year ago. I started feeling this real pull to want to mentor or give back in that way to help other business owners. I've been in business for 12 years. I've been working for 20. So I've learned a lot along the way. And after becoming a mom, I don't, I guess it was a motherly thing, but I felt like I wanted to help other entrepreneurs who were maybe newer in the journey and give them some of my knowledge. And so that's been about a year ago. And I started out with, uh, just working pro bono with someone. I put out a call on Facebook and said, Hey, I'm, I want to start mentoring. Does anyone need someone? And had a couple people respond and one woman in particular who's been, who was really, uh, very serious about it. And that was important to me because the kind of people I want to work with are people who are really serious about making changes. And so she and I started having weekly calls and it was really gratifying. Uh, and I think she would say very helpful for her and her business. And so then I started to think, well, how can I turn this into a business? I didn't, when I started, I didn't really think I would be pivoting my business in that way. And then I was like, wow, well, I, 
I'm finding I like this more than what I'm doing with the bulk of my day. So how do I make this a business? And so that's the shift I've been making is working towards um, working, making the mentoring something that I can do full time. And so it isn't yet, but it's getting there. Okay. So who were you working with before and how were you sort of helping them in their businesses? Sure. My background is journalism. And so I started out working in newspapers and then magazines, also did some marketing work in there. And so when I left my corporate gig 12 years ago, which it's hard to believe it's been that long, I wanted to freelance. I thought I wanted to be like everybody else and, you know, work at home in my pajamas. And so I decided to leave that corporate job. It was a one of the largest marketing, or I'm sorry, one of the largest magazine publishing companies in the country. And I was an editor on a magazine. And so I started out just writing for basically a lot of the people I was already, that I had previously worked for when I was full-time employed. And then things started to shift and I realized magazines are kind of dying, which makes me sad, but people, everything's moving online. Uh, And so I was like, I need to find new ways to generate income because this is getting tough. It was, you know, tons of people competing for fewer and fewer jobs and lower and lower pay rates. And so I started shifting towards doing more content marketing for corporations because I had corporate experience and I had been writing for trade magazines for quite a while. So I kind of understood working with niche industries. And so that's what I've been doing for the bulk of the last, I don't know, five or six years is content marketing for corporate clients and, and helping them with everything from, you know, blogs and white papers, case studies, anything that they really need written. And so I'm still doing a lot of that work, but I'm slowly making it so I'm working with just fewer and fewer select corporate clients and trying to make the shift to working more with um, creatives. Okay. So how has your business changed as you've made this transition and how have the types of clients you're working with affected that? Well, it's interesting because it's definitely been a major shift that I wouldn't have expected. Um, I guess I just didn't think about the customer service part of what I was doing. Uh, And so that's been interesting because I mean, when somebody, a corporate client is paying you $1,000 or $2,000, it's a very different experience for them than a solopreneur when they make that kind of investment. $1,000 or $2,000 for, you know, a newer business owner or somebody who maybe is having some struggles and that's why they're wanting to get some mentoring. For somebody like that, that's that's a sizable investment. And so, I, you know, learning to recognize that and to speak to clients in a different way, to be a little more understanding about finances and just um, knowing how to kind of talk about money with them is different. Whereas before I would just be like, you know, okay, here's my rate and never really thought twice because it was not usually an issue to now understanding that I need to do a better job of explaining the benefits to someone and and everything they're going to get from me. And also just even kind of saying to them, Hey, I understand this is a big investment for you. And I know how hard that can be. And the other big thing is just the customer service touch points, because in the past, you know, maybe I would send a holiday card or a year end card to clients. Some years I did, some years I didn't. And really my clients didn't expect that sort of thing. And they weren't upset if it didn't happen. And I never lost work over that kind of thing. And now I'm much more cognizant of the fact that again, these people are spending a lot of money for my services. And I want them to feel like they're really getting the value there, which means, you know, I have to look at the entire customer journey and think about all of those touch points along the way and where I can add value or where I can make them feel special. And so it's definitely a big shift. Yeah. 
So you mentioned that there's a difference in how you talk about your value and pricing um, and that you have to sort of tell people more about what they're going to get out of it. So do you, how do you do that? How do you communicate that to people um, who for this, you know, for them, hiring you is a big investment, whereas for a corporate client, it's, it's not because they've got so much money to work with. Sure. And I think everyone probably handles these things differently. One of my core values is authenticity, which I know gets thrown around a lot as a buzzword, but for me, it's something that's been really important to me for a very long time. Like I want to fully be me in all ways. And so I know I don't like hard sells and I don't like people who basically I feel like are spamming me. (laughs) You know, even if I signed up for their list, I'm suddenly getting 20 emails a day and, you know, just those kinds of things. And so I don't like to take that approach either. If I don't like to receive it, I just certainly don't want to give it. So, um, I try to really do more one-on-one things with people and try to be, um, I try to honor people's inboxes. So I'm not going to flood people with like six emails in a day with six reasons why I'm worth every penny or something like that. When someone makes an inquiry, I tell them, I lay everything out. I tell them what I offer, how it benefits them. And I also give them the price right up front because I don't like making people have to work for finding out the price. And then when people are like, oh, that's too much or that that feels difficult for me, I will acknowledge and say, I know that that's tough. I try to explain that my background and my experience and having invested myself in some mentoring and knowing that struggle and knowing how hard it is and also knowing the benefits it can provide, but then also just try to be really um, respectful and say, if this is something that doesn't feel right now, I'm certainly not going to push you. So like, I'm, I'll be here, come back if you're, when you're ready or if you're ever ready. And I feel like people respect that a lot. So I think that that works. I don't know. I'm sure there's plenty of people who'd say that it's, I'm missing out on a lot of business by not being a little more, uh, I would say pushy. They might say forceful or something, but that's what's working for me because it's what feels right. Yeah. That's such an important point because I think we're in this weird place where we have to, you want to follow up with people. You want to say, you know, I am worth what I'm charging, but you don't want to push them and, because that can turn people off. And you have to figure out what that balance is. Definitely. And I, it, it's a tough balance and I wouldn't claim to know that I have all the answers, but I feel like in everything I do from parenting to running my business, I just try to approach things of, you know, as what feels right. So if it feels right to me, then I do it. If it doesn't, I won't. So even if I have some leading expert on email marketing, tell me, telling me you have to do it this way, you know, you've got to create this funnel and they have to have, you know, you have to do this many emails to people and push, push, push. If it just doesn't feel right, I'm not going to do it. And so I sort of believe that the people that are meant to work with you will find their way to you and they will respond to what you're saying and it will resonate with them. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I try, I mean, certainly I'm like anyone else. There are times when I, it gets to me and I think, Oh, that person, they would have been so great. And I know I could have helped them. And they just said no because of money. And, but I know that that just means the timing wasn't right. And it's not about me and you know, the right people it's freeing space for the right people to come along and all that. So I try to focus on those things, but sometimes it is hard. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And I think so much of that is we have to be authentic. Like you said, we have to be consistent in what we're saying because when, you know, what we're saying on our website matches what somebody gets in person, matches the emails, then even if they can't invest now, they might come back later. But if we are really 
friendly on our website, but then really pushy trying to get them to like actually hire us, that turns people off. They're, they're not going to come back when they're actually ready to invest. Right. Definitely. So I'd love to know how you have shifted your business from an automation standpoint, um, because you went from working with corporate clients who, you know, are bigger, they don't expect as much hands-on stuff, um, to working with creatives who you're working with them one-on-one. They have kind of come to expect, you know, really hands-on, a lot of touch points. So how do you, um, balance automating some of that and then giving them the personal interaction that they need. Well, that is a real struggle that I am still working through and I'm trying to find places where it makes sense to automate. And again, the places where for me, because of my wanting to be authentic and deliver in a way that feels real and genuine to me, which means more one-on-one, like trying to find that balance. And it's difficult. So, I mean, obviously with email marketing, I'm automating that because I can't, that would be very difficult not to. And so I just recently switched switched to ConvertKit from MailChimp because it allows, I think, a little more automation and it makes things a little bit easier on me. Mm -hmm. Um, And when it comes to social media, I use some scheduling tools because I really have to. I have a Facebook group and I'm in there a lot, but having like the daily, having those daily prompts um, automated really helps. Trying to find that balance is really hard. And so it's something I'm still struggling with. And I automate where I can and where it makes sense. And then when it doesn't, you know, I remain more interactive one-on-one. And I think as my business grows, this new business grows, I will probably have to make some shifts on that. But for right now, I'm just doing, you know, I'm doing a lot more one-on-one than I probably should be. But my mass email marketing is handled with ConvertKit. And that's been great. And I use social media scheduling tools where it makes sense, like for the prompts in my Um, Facebook group, although I'm still in there a lot. But then when it comes to actually working one-on-one with my clients, because right now the type of work I'm doing is really one-on-one work, although I'm working on courses and things like that, but what I'm doing is one-on-one. And so there's a lot of me, you know, every time emailing someone or getting on Skype with them or whatever it is. And some of it is difficult to automate. And so I do what I can. So things that overlap a lot, the the homework assignments that tend to repeat, I have those ready to go or um, follow-up emails on things that tend to be um, come up a lot. I will have that stuff ready to go, but I'm still trying to work out how to best automate without losing my authenticity. Right. So do you feel like you have more touch points in your business with these types of clients as well? Like they need just more places of interaction? So many more, I think. Um, with my corporate clients, you know, there's usually, honestly, it would be they would come to me most of the time, which I know is really lucky. Um, I was mostly through my work on LinkedIn. I would get people coming to me. So there would be an initial, like, you know, they would want to know a little more about me. And then pretty much it was, all right, here's the assignment. And then here's your due date. And so I would get it. I would work and then I would turn it in and send a thanks and then, you know, invoice. And that was, there weren't a lot of touch points. It was all pretty straightforward in the beginning with the new client. There might be a few more when they would want to kind of talk a little bit about how their style is or something like that, but it was pretty hands off. And so for this, there's definitely more touch points because there's a lot more 
getting to the point of even having a warm lead. Like I'm spending a lot of time on visibility. That's kind of my focus uh, rather than doing like strict launch strategies and things like that. I'm just really focusing on being out there and letting people see who I am and the kind of person I am. And if it resonates with them, the hope is that they'll want to work with me. And so there's a lot of time spent on just being in places on Instagram or in Facebook groups or whatever it is. And then once I get to the point of kind of knowing people, there's a lot more back and forth on emails and talking to them about me and what I do. And then once I get a client signed on, then there's, you know, I want to get them, I want the, from the very beginning, I want them to feel good about the process. So there's, you know, sending a gift, there's questionnaires, there's a lot of touch points along the way. Some of that can be automated. Some of it can't. Yeah. So do you think a lot of that difference comes, is it mostly because of the types of clients or is it the services that you're offering? Um, Because obviously mentoring, you need to have one-on-one conversations with people pretty frequently or it's not going to work. For sure. You're right. And I do think that is a piece of it, but I think some of it is um, the types of clients and their expectations around budget. So I think, and maybe it's just the type of clients I was working with in the corporate world, other people who work with uh, corporate clients might work with smaller companies and, and find that they have the same issues. But I was working with pretty large companies for them. I mean, I'm talking, you know, quarter, quarter billion kind of like big companies. Right. And so for them having a contractor who's charging them $2,000 or whatever it is, is sort of a small drop in the bucket. And so it's, it doesn't, there's not a real pain point there, but when you're working with somebody who is maybe making, I don't know, 30,000 a year or 50,000 a year or whatever it is, or maybe they're even, it's a side hustle and it's not making them much of anything yet. And so investing $2,000 on mentoring is huge. And I understand that completely. Cause I mean, I'm in the same boat as a business owner who's a solopreneur. I'm not one of those big multi-million corporations. So when I invest in my business, I take it very seriously as well. So I understand where they're coming from. And I think that's the bigger piece of it is just the investment for someone who has a smaller budget to start with just feels, you know, it just, you feel it where a corporation doesn't feel that, that it's, it's sort of meaningless to them. And so I think that's the difference is just the way it feels to spend that money and wanting to make people feel good about it. Yeah. I'd love to know your thoughts on if somebody is trying to get into a small business and they're deciding who they want to serve, you know, you left sort of those corporate clients who is probably a little bit easier to make a sale to to come work with people who you do have to interact a lot more with, you have to be visible. Um, Do you feel like that was a hard shift to make? Do you think, you know, you like working with creatives enough that it makes all of the extra sort of work that you have to put in worth it? Yes. I've been in business now for 12 years. And so certainly in the beginning, I wanted to just, I mean, you know, I'll be honest, it was just about making money. Like I was leaving a, a good job where I made a good living and I had a 401k and all of that stuff that comes along with working in corporate America. And my big goal was to replace my income. And I was very much just focused on money. And so when that was my primary motivator, then working with the clients with the most money made the most sense. And as I've grown and matured and changed, my business has changed. And I realized that 
for me and everyone's different. And I think there's nothing wrong with having money be a primary motivator. It still definitely motivates me. But I think for me, there's, I'm getting to a place in my life where it's just, I need more than just that. It's more than just the bottom line to feel fulfilled, to feel fulfilled because I still am doing that work, but a lot of it burns me out because I don't have the passion behind it. And I really want to do something that gives me, um, makes me feel more passion. And so for me, working with people one-on-one and helping them break, have breakthroughs or suddenly feel more confident or have those aha moments, like that is worth a lot to me. Um, and so it is more work and it is hard. And I do have days where I think, oh my gosh, is this worth it? It was so much easier before. But easy, may, it may help me pay the bills, but it doesn't leave me feeling great at the end of the day. And so, you know, I, I'm trying to make a shift for, it's really about me and for what motivates me. Yeah, that makes sense. And I think for some of us, you know, there is an in-between stage where you're doing both because you need to make the money, but you want to get into working with people that you love. Um, Absolutely. And that's where I'm at right now. I mean, honestly, I'm still in that shift. So it's not like I'm doing the mentoring full time and I haven't made that full shift because I still do have to pay the bills and we bought a new house and I have a new baby. And so, you know, reality sets in. And so I definitely still have to take on work. I try to be more selective and work with clients that I, the corporate clients that I like the most that make things sort of the easiest for me and that, you know, have the least amount of stress and that the work isn't, you know, horrible or anything like that but I still do have to do both for now. Right. And there are a lot of people in that. And I think it's good to know that we're not alone when we're in those positions, when we're doing the things that pay the bills and the things that we love, um, because we all go through that. And it doesn't always look like that on Instagram or Facebook, where we try to make everything look perfect, but you do what you have to do sometimes to make your business work. Yeah. And I'm really trying to, it's funny that you say that about the picture that we put out in the world. And I'm really trying to be more genuine in what I put out in the world too. And not just because I think it will attract clients or something, but I do think it helps people understand that I, I understand their battle because I live it too. And it helps attract the right people to me because, um, I want to work with people who are in the real world. And so like today on Instagram, I put up a photo of the dirty dishes in my sink and was talking about how trying to juggle motherhood with running a business for this last year has been just the most radical shift in my life. And sometimes I don't get to do the things, you know, I don't get everything done and it's not all perfect and it's not all pretty. And I have people say to me, wow, how do you balance it all? And the answer is I don't always. (laughs) And so I think that we do have a problem with like, thinking, oh, well, that person's got it all figured out. And the answer is that most people don't, even if they're trying to convince you they do. And so if you have to work two things at once, if you can't make that complete shift all at once, like that's okay. So I'd love to talk more about how you, you know, you said you offered your services for free at first through a Facebook group. How did you then transition into finding paid clients? Well, so I took... The next step was, okay, how do I, once I realized I wanted to make this something that would pay the bills, this something that I really loved and I wanted to do it, I started thinking about what would make the most sense. How should this work? And what I realized was the person that I had been working with for free, while it was great and she got a lot from it, we didn't have any kind of end date. It was just this ongoing thing. And 
I realized that didn't really work. I wanted to have more structure with something I would do. So then I kind of thought through, okay, what would that look like? What should a program, if I was going to do one, what do I want it to include? And so I thought through my entrepreneurial journey and and the process I took to kind of get where I am um, to be 12 years into running a business and, and making a living at it. And, you know, all of the things that it takes to kind of Basically, for me, it was about making the shift from thinking of myself as, quote unquote, just a freelancer to really owning myself as a boss. Like I own my business. I am its CEO and kind of thinking through, okay, what does that process look like on how to help somebody sort of transition from that if they're kind of feeling stuck and not able to make that next step? How can I help them? And so then I created what I thought would be a really good program, 10 weeks, and I got a beta tester. And sort of co-created, as they say, the program with her. So as she went through it, I was tweaking and shaping it and seeing how it made the most sense. And so that was kind of that next next step. And then it was, okay, now that I have something, and, and it's changed a lot over time of like what I thought I would be doing to what I am and thinking through who I want to work with and everything. And so that was the, you know, kind of just ironing out what it would be and working with someone to make sure it really worked was important. And then it's just becomes about marketing and putting yourself out there and trying to find the right kind of people that resonate with you. And then, like I said, going through that process of explaining, you know, the benefits and and how it's going to help them and their business and helping them kind of get past that hurdle of having to spend the money and then getting people to sign on. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned that throughout the process, you had to shift and change um, working with your clients to figure out what they needed most and then what worked best for your business. Um, We've actually talked about that with a lot of the guests on this show is that even if you think you know how things should work when you start out, you don't really know until you get into it. Absolutely. Like it definitely changed. I had a picture of what I thought things would be. And then I realized that even just like the timing of things, but also the, I would think I was trying to do too much and too small of a time. And so it was just interesting to see how that changed. And I'm really glad because I'm the kind of person who tends to want to just act. So, and I think it's a really good trait that I, when I make a decision, I usually just go for it, but sometimes it can put me in a position where it's like, well, now I'm not sure if I'm doing the right thing. And so I'm really glad that I kind of made myself take a beat and take some time because this was a side thing. I had a little more flexibility with it. I think I didn't feel that pressure to immediately replace my income and go, go, go. It was more like, let's, this is something I'd like to kind of see grow. So let me be thoughtful about it. And so I'm glad I took that time to really get to understand what it was I had to offer and what it was people needed and make those things work right. Okay. So do you have any advice for people who are transitioning from either working a corporate job or working with corporate clients who want to get into working with people more one-on-one, whether that's creatives or small business owners or um, somebody else that there's a lot of personal interaction? Yeah, I really say focus on your values. So like when I work with my mentees, I have these conversations with them all the time. And it's like, let's break down what are you offering and think through every touch point that you have with your clients. And at each one of those points, how can you give just a little more? Because those are the things that are going to make you memorable and that are going to make you the kind of person people come back to or the kind of person that people tell other people about. I mean, just think about your own experiences in life. When you get exceptional customer service, you remember it. And it can be like the most routine thing. Like I still will never forget this 
place in Des Moines, Iowa, where I used to get my glasses and like just the little extras that they did every time along the way, when they would see me, they remembered my name. They remembered my family. They remembered what I did for a living. They asked me questions. They would send me emails. You know, they sent me something for my birthday, like little things, but it made a huge difference. And I told everyone about that place because of that. And so just map out, like sit down and write down what that journey is for your client from from the moment that you don't even know that they know you. So what you're putting out in the world before you know that they know you to the point of like you've wrapped up and you probably won't work with them again, or maybe you're trying to get them to become a repeat buyer, but think through all of those steps and think, what can I do? It doesn't have to be like sending a gift that can be nice, but that's not necessary. But like, can you include just some little extra for them that helps them learn something or makes them laugh or makes them feel good about themselves. You know, if it's just remembering their birthday or saying, Hey, I saw that thing you put on your blog and you know, it was really great. So they know you're paying attention or they, they think that, you know, it makes them feel like they're doing a good job. Like just think of those little things all along the way where you can do that for people and it will make a huge difference. Yeah. It's, that's definitely true about, we remember the places that give us exceptional customer service and the places that give us really terrible customer service. Right. And we tell people about those. And so you want to be remembered um, for doing, you know, serving people well, and that's not difficult. Sometimes that's, I know for me as a designer, I hear so many people say, my designer disappeared. I haven't heard from them in weeks. And just as much as, touching base with somebody and saying, Hey, I'm still here. This is an update on the progress of something can make a big difference because they feel like you're still there. Their investment isn't, you know, wasted and you haven't gone into the crazy internet world and have been lost forever. Absolutely. And so like for me with my clients, um, it's, there's like little things, like I make sure they have my text number. So as long as they're working with me, they can text me because as a working mom, sometimes the only thing I can do is get on my phone and, and check things. And so I want to be available. So the fact that they know they can reach me and I will respond. And like after every call, I ha- every coaching call or client call I have, I always send a wrap up email where I tell them everything we just went through. And I always, always also try to include something really nice about them. Like I'm really impressed by this about you or whatever it is. I mean, it's little tiny things. I I also like to send gifts, you know, to welcome them and to thank them. But I honestly think that those things aren't as important to people as just feeling noticed and cared about. Um, And that makes a big difference because I've certainly been through the other end of that where I've been through coaching stuff where I I didn't feel that at all. (laughs) And I'm not the kind of person who's probably going to bad mouth people. So I won't say bad things about someone, but I'm not going to recommend them, you know? And so, yeah, you might've gotten so much money out of me, but you're not going to get a recommendation from me. And so it's pretty short-sighted to think, well, I already got them as a client. I don't need to worry about them now. Right. Right. Because you don't know who they know or who they're going to tell or what. And the fact, if you can just take those little extra steps that don't take that much time and that much effort or that much money, you might be able to now you've taken that one client and they're going to tell 20 people. And if even two of those people buy now you've tripled how much money you made off of that one person. Yes. And it makes you feel good when your clients come back to you and say, you know, this was a really great experience. This was definitely worth what you charged. They got so much out of it. And that is really beneficial for you running a business because sometimes we get bad comments or people just don't like us for whatever reason. 
and that's fine. But looking back on all the people who you are being supported by can be helpful in those hard times. Definitely. And I, that's always my goal, particularly because I'm selling something that's a higher value or a higher cost um, for a sm- solopreneur. I want them to, at the end of it, say it was worth every penny or even better, it was worth even more than what you charge. Like I want to, I want to make sure that they feel they're getting that value um, because otherwise I feel like I haven't done my job. Yeah. So was there anything else that I didn't ask about that you wanted to share? No, I mean, I think I'm, we talked a lot about automation because I know that that's part of this is just how do you make all of these touch points a little less painful. And so I'm exploring that. I'm, I'm talking with a um, online business manager who's helped me with a few things and I might engage her more as I go through this process. I have a VA that helps with some smaller tasks. Uh, Like I said, I use some tools, all of those things add up and sometimes it feels a little overwhelming, but I, you know, I try to remember that I can't do it all. And so it's, I guess that's just the big thing to know you can't do it all. And so to really think through what can you automate either yourself or by hiring someone to do those things for you. Um, I also try to do, I'm really making a shift in my scheduling to do more block scheduling and, and batching of things. So like doing just video one day and doing just blogs one day and really trying to get ahead in that way. And that's also helpful. So, I mean, even if you have a limited budget, there are still ways to try and make things less crazy when you're offering a service that involves a lot of personal interaction on your point, your part. Yeah. And one of my biggest things I've found for automation, because I have, I was resistant to it for a while as well is it doesn't have to sound like a robot is sending that email. You know, you can write something that sounds like yourself and then just use it and personalize it a little bit for each of your clients. So it saves you time, but it's still you. Yeah. And that's really my big focus. I mean, I still write all of my emails for my email marketing. I wouldn't feel right not doing that. And it's okay for other people that have somebody who really gets their voice and can do it. But for me, it just doesn't work yet. Um, so I still write all my own emails and I still write all the prompts for my Facebook group. And like, I even change them each week where I could just make it the same thing that I put up. But like, I want it to, I want people to know that it's still me and I'm still engaging and I still care. It's just that I also happen to have a baby and a business and a house and a husband and a million things that I'm trying to manage. And so trying to find ways to streamline where I can, but still make it feel like me and have it fit my values so that it still feels authentic because that's so important to me. So I think you're right. I think there's, there are ways to streamline and to, to automate, but it doesn't have to be um, icky. Yeah. So I'd love to know, we, I know we've covered some of this, but um, why has serving your customers well been so important for your business? Well, again, I think it, a lot of it comes down to just money and having them buy, you know, if I, I think if I didn't treat people well, they wouldn't be willing to spend the money with me. And I think that being, if it's, first of all, treating them well is part of my value system, like I said. So for me, if I wasn't doing that, I wouldn't be authentic and I wouldn't feel good about what I'm doing. I think that it attracts the right people because they're the kind of people that respond well to what I'm doing. And then it also helps people feel like, okay, I'm willing to go out on a little bit of a limb here and spend this money with this person. Yeah. And 
when you talk about that, that starts even before they've hired you. That's your interaction with them online um, to even get them to the point where they're ready to invest. That Yeah, I mean, for me, it's like I try to show up as myself all the time in anything I do. And there are times where I catch myself where I'm, I start shooting all over myself, as they say. I start <laughs> doing my shoulds and I think, oh, well, I, I've been reading about this launch thing and I should be doing this, or I've been reading about, you know, this is how other people do Instagram. Like I should be using stock photos that are perfect and pretty flat lays and whatever. And those things work for other people, but they don't work for me. And so when there are times where I start to catch myself and it doesn't, I know it because it doesn't feel right, but I still get caught up in that, like, Oh, it's what everyone says I'm supposed to do. And so I try to really just stick with does this feel right for me? And if the answer is yes, then I think it's, that means it's okay. And it's going to attract the right people. And so I really try to stick with that. And so even if I post something on Instagram that I'm like, this is me, this is authentic. Like my dirty dishes in the sink, that's authentic. And it's me and it feels right. And it's a whole conversation that feels important to me about juggling everything. If I lose followers because of that, it'll still sting a little because I'm human and I let those things get to me sometimes, but I have to try to remember that what it's doing is weeding out the people who aren't the right fit for me anyway and bringing in the people that are. And I just, so like even before I ever know if someone's remotely interested in working with me, I want them to know that the person that they're seeing out there is the person that I am. And so if they like that person, then they're going to know that if they work with me, it's going to be a good fit because they already have seen me and they know that that's, that's who I am. Yeah. And I think that is so important for all of us in our businesses is when you're working with people one-on-one, like so many of us are, they have to know who you are. You want them to be able to connect with that, you know, from the very start so that you're not getting into hopefully working with clients that aren't a good fit, who don't respect who you are as a person. Um, You're sort of eliminating some of that upfront without even having to get on a call with them. Right. Definitely. I mean, that's what that is. That's that process of, of selection that happens that you don't even necessarily realize is happening, but it's happening. So whatever you're putting out there in the world is, is something's happening with that. Like people are resonating with it. They aren't. So think about what your messaging is, because if it's not who you really are, if it's not a fair representation of the service you're going to provide, you may want to rethink it because that's going to I mean, you don't want people to come to you thinking you're one way and then have you be some other way. So like I, the whole six figure, seven figure launch talk and all of that doesn't sit well with me. I don't like people to feel that kind of pressure and all of that. I think for other people, it's great. So like, I want to make sure I stick with things that feel more real and talking about how, you know, this stuff is hard and it can be tough and all of that instead of trying to paint a perfect picture. But some people want to go that way. And I think that's great. So I'm glad that I can be honest from the beginning so that those people can go find the person who's the right fit for them. Yep. Okay. Tell me two things that you're loving right now. They can be business or life. Two things I'm loving right now. Well, one is my son, which I know is probably hokey, but it's true. (laughs) He's one, he's starting to walk. He's trying really hard to talk. He's just tons of fun. And his giggle is like, I guess specifically what I'm loving right now is his giggle. It's like the greatest thing that has ever been created. So that's pretty awesome. Um, And maybe I should do something business related that's maybe not as 
fun, but <laughs> I'll say convert kit because I'm new to convert kit. And I know lots of people have been using it forever, but I have really loved the shift. Like, and I, who knows, I probably could have done these things with MailChimp and I just didn't know how, but I got, I actually hired help to help me set up convert kit and do it right. And it's made everything about like my opt-ins and having landing pages and just everything that, um, I should have been doing, <laughs> but was, had no clue how it's just made everything so much easier. And so I really am, I'm totally on board with that for 10 bucks a month worth it. Yeah. And I'm on convert kit too. I love it. I switched from MailChimp. It's a lot easier to do all the things that you're trying to do. It feels like it. And like I said, maybe I could have been doing it with MailChimp. So it's not really a slight on them. It's probably instead of saying that I love ConvertKit, what I should probably say is what I'm loving right now is the online business manager who helped me set up ConvertKit <laughs> because I couldn't have done it on my, oh, well, maybe I could have, but it would have been, it would have been horrible. So the fact that I had somebody do it for me and show me how to make things work now, it's now I can keep them, do the management piece of it. It's pretty simple, but yeah, that was nice having all of that help. Yeah. So what are you working on that's coming up that you're excited for? Well, I am, in addition to doing my one-on-one -on -one mentoring, which um, I'm still super excited about and love anyone who wants to reach out to talk to me about that, that'd be great. But I'm also currently working on an e-course that I'm pretty excited about. And it's sort of pulling from all of that experience we talked about with corporate America and but it's still, it's geared for creatives. So I'm going to do a course on how to use LinkedIn for your creative business. Um, because I get people all the time talking to me about like, they don't understand LinkedIn. They're not using it. They don't get it, but they're the same people who are wanting to work with some of these bigger, higher paying corporate clients or who work with people who work with those people. So if you, mm -hmm. if you want to work with corporate clients or your clients are the kind of people who do, then they're on LinkedIn and going where they live makes sense. And it's a different world on LinkedIn and a different way to behave than it is in like a Facebook group or certainly Instagram. And so I have some tips on how to leverage LinkedIn and I'm putting that together into a reasonably priced e-course since I know not everyone wants to spend a fortune just to learn how to use LinkedIn, but I'm really <laughs> excited about doing it. It'll be, a, you know, not terribly long so that it's not overwhelming, but it'll really help you understand how to optimize your bio and how to use groups and how to use it as a publishing uh, platform and how to create conversations with people and all the things that are really important. Yeah, that's good. I think... You know, I've heard good things about LinkedIn from people who have figured out how to use it, but it is definitely a different platform than we're used to. Yeah, for sure. But it's been responsible for some of my biggest corporate clients and some of my, a good chunk of my income over the years. So I'm a big advocate. Okay. Um, so where can people find you online? BeckyMollenkamp.com. That's, uh, it's Mollenkamp with a K. So M-O-L-L-E-N-K-A-M-P, BeckyMollenkamp.com. And I also have a Facebook group for people who are interested called Own It, Crush It, which is also the name of my mentoring program. Um, and it's a really great group of women only business owners where we try to support each other and share advice and all of that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. It was great. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.